Good Monday morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Pastor Paul. It's, let's see here, October 24th. What a great weekend of worship and the sunset service last night. Great stuff. And we are here this Monday morning for Romans Rewind. This is where we track with the previous Sunday's sermon. And this is a good one to track with because there's a lot to talk about. Um, plenty on the table for this week. And so let me read um, the relevant passage. In fact, I'm just actually going to, to read the first verse because it kind of defines the scope of what we're going to be talking about this week. Paul says, as for the one who is weak in faith, this is Romans 14, 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And as we said yesterday, that word opinions it means disputed matters. And I'm not going to re-preach the, the sermon from yesterday, but I do encourage you to go back and listen or watch that if you weren't with us, just so you can have some context here. Paul's not talking about matters of the gospel or orthodoxy or core doctrines of truth. He's talking about those matters of faith and conscience that Christians disagree with. Things like um, alcohol or Sabbath keeping or what foods to eat or movies to see or social media to engage in or what um, schools to send your kids to. I mean, there, there, there's a hundred of these things, right? And Paul, this was causing great division in the church in Rome, and Paul is writing to address it. Now, the two particular issues that were causing so many problems in the church in Rome were this idea of Sabbath keeping or keeping the holy days and festivals of the Jewish calendar, and then eating a certain kinds of meat, drinking certain kinds of wines, and confining oneself to the dietary restrictions laid out in the Old Testament. Now, let me say this. First of all, if there is a particular, well, I've got eight thoughts going through my mind. These are disputable matters. The reformers call them adiaphora, matters of dispute or, or matters of indifference. Not that they were important, but they're indifferent as it relates to the truth of the gospel. And what we're going to do this week is work through various issues of adiaphora and try to understand how we approach those as strong and weak brothers and Christians with various opinions. So if you have a particular issue paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com. We'll talk about it this week. But what I thought we would do today is start with one of the issues that Paul lays out here, and it's this issue of Sabbath keeping. So go back to the text here for a second. Um, verse 5, Paul lays out the issue. He says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. And so what Paul is referring to here probably is the idea of keeping the Jewish Sabbath. So we know from the Old Testament, um, Exodus um, 20, Deuteronomy 6, that keeping the Sabbath was one of the Ten Commandments. It was very clear, honor the Lord by keeping the Sabbath day. It's, it's the Lord's day. We honor him by keeping it holy. It's to set it, be set aside for worship and for rest. And under the old covenant, there was a whole list of stipulations of things that one would and would not do or could and could not do on the Sabbath. Now, with the coming of Christ, um, and of course, let me say this, it wasn't just the Sabbath that the Jewish people would keep, this one day a week, 
the the last day of the week. It was also a whole host of other festivals, observances, um, Sabbath periods and seasons. And those could also be wrapped up in what these Jewish Christians in Rome were wanting to be obedient to. And I think that's important to, to realize that this could involve a whole scope of different kinds of observances. But the key question is, what are the obligations or what are not the obligations for Sabbath keeping for the new covenant believer? Now, obviously, this is a, a huge issue, and it, I was reminded of how huge it was um, when I first went to seminary. So even though I grew up in a, um, a Presbyterian church, um, we were never taught a lot about Sabbath keeping. We, we functioned in a lot of ways like a contemporary evangelical church when it came to that. Um, that was something that was fulfilled in Jesus. It says in Hebrews that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Um, it says in the Gospels that, that um, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he has sort of abolished all those regulations, or, or better termed, he's fulfilled them. Um, he's become our rest. All days are holy. All days belong to him. That, that was sort of what I was raised with. Well, when I got to seminary, um, there was a, quite a different interpretation, and I was reminded of this when um, I... I was inquiring, or maybe I actually did, I can't remember, um, using the, the tennis courts on a Sunday at the seminary. And I remember someone kind of warning me, like, you better not do that because that's off limits. Um, that the, the seminary affirms the Westminster Confession of Faith, which puts strict guidelines on the observance of the Sabbath, which would include things not only not working, but no recreation, no uh, usual activities. It's a day set aside solely for the worship of God and rest, and that the only deeds that we would be allowed to do are deeds of necessity, okay, um, or deeds of mercy. And I remember just sort of being taken, taken aback by that because that was so new and foreign, and it felt legalistic to me. It felt constraining. I um, I remember there was a girl talking about the fact that she washed her car on Sunday. And again, that was frowned upon in the seminary grounds. Now, what was also interesting is that the seminary was very libertine when it came to things like alcohol. And again, that was completely absent my upbringing. And so I was having this sort of cognitive dissonance. On one hand, there was uh, the strict guidelines around Sabbath keeping, but on the other, there was this sort of libertine attitude towards alcohol, and I was raised in exactly the reverse. So I want to talk about this idea of Sabbath keeping, and just so that we're aware um, what the part of the doctrinal standards of uh, the Reformed Church, the Presbyterian Church, of course, are the Westminster Confession of Faith, those standards. And Article 21 speaks, in fact, very specifically uh, about what our worship is to look like and when we are to worship, and also very specifically about the Sabbath. And a couple of things I want to I want to point out here. Okay, one is that this affirms the Westminster Confession of Faith affirms that what was traditionally known as the Sabbath in Jewish calendar, the last day of the week has now been replaced by the Lord's Day, because the Lord's Day is the day that he was raised from the grave. It's the Resurrection Sunday. 
Christians gather on that day of the week, the first day of the week, not the last day of the week. And in fact, we see plenty of evidences in the New Testament that in fact, Christians observed the Lord's Day on Sunday, the first day of the week, and they come together for worship. Now, where it gets trickier is that the confession would say that, yes, the observance of the Sabbath now comes on a different day, but there still is to, to be a, an observance of the Sabbath, um, that it's affirmed by the Ten Commandments. And let me read um, article uh, section 8 of this article, and it relates to what do we do and do not do on the Sabbath as it relates to our ordinary daily lives. Okay, number, Article 8. This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works and words and thoughts and their worldly enjoyments and, and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. So in other words, if, if someone is sick or your neighbor needs something, you're allowed to, of course, help them. That, that, that's a duty of mercy. Um, or if you're a minister or serving in the church, that's a, that's a work, but it's a duty of, of mercy. Um, something of necessity, you know, there is an emergency, like even in the um, Old Testament, if, you're, if your donkey fell off into the ditch, um, on the Sabbath, you were allowed to pull your donkey out. It was a, it was a, it was an, a duty of necessity. So, but, but all these other things, okay, about um, abstaining from worldly employments and recreations, this, was, this has been sort of traditionally understood by various sects as, as we don't watch TV or we don't um, go to the football games or we don't travel or we, you know, there, 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 there's some pretty strict guidelines. The question is, how are we to think about this as a New Testament church? And, and I do believe this is a true issue of adiaphora, although a lot of my Presbyterian brothers and friends would, would say, no, it's not a matter of adiaphora. It's not a matter of indifference. It's mandated. It's necessitated. And again, I think this is where we have to let the scriptures be our guide. It is most certainly clear that Jesus is our Sabbath, that he has fulfilled the Sabbath, not in the sense of abolishing the Sabbath, but in terms of being Lord of the Sabbath, that he um, has, has taken upon himself the works of God to die for us. And because of that, we now have a permanent Sabbath rest in him. The Sabbath was always meant to be a pointer in a sort of an eschatological way to the time when God would return and give permanent rest and peace to his people. But now we have that in Jesus. And again, it's reiterated, right, in the Ten Commandments. Now, but what are we to think about this in terms of our observance today? I think, number one, we need to be clear. We're not talking about whether we should observe the Lord's Day and gather for worship as a church. That's an absolute necessity. It's a requirement. And again, a lot of people have jettisoned that idea um, in favor of watching online or uh, coming to church once a quarter. And we know that that's not a matter of adiaphora because the scriptures are very clear. We're together. Do not neglect the assembling together. Um, this is the Lord's Day. It's a priority for us as the people of God to come together to sing, to fellowship, to take in the Lord's Supper, baptism, um, to hear preaching of God's word. That's not a matter of adiaphora. 
what I think is a matter of adiaphora is what else do we do with our time, right? Are we forbidden to going on walks or playing with our kids or uh, washing our car, or those sorts of things? And, and of course, obviously, I, I don't think so, right? I think that's overstepping the bounds of Scripture. I do think, as a matter of wisdom, having a, a, a principle of Sabbath in your life, a season, a time, a day where you are doing something different than what you do during the week, where you're not going 90 to nothing, where you're not working 60 hours, where you're, you know, you're not working all day. You're not, I, um, I think as a general rule, a principle, that's a good thing. Even though Jesus has fulfilled the Sabbath, it's kind of like Jesus has fulfilled the tithe, okay? But that doesn't mean that we don't give generously to the church. It's not that God owns 10% of what we give. He owns 100%. And so we're freed in that sense to be generous. I think in much the same way as the Sabbath, right? That we do need to recognize the Lord's day is set aside for our rest and leisure and recreation to abstain from our work. Obviously, depending on our vocations, professions, that's not always possible in the same way. But it does point to this idea that every person in their life needs a Sabbath rhythm, needs a Sabbath rest, needs a, needs a play, time and a place set aside to the Lord, to one another, to family, and to renew the heart, the spirit, and the body. Now, I don't think um, this means, though, I think under that guise, there is tons of freedom, okay, right, to, um, to do a whole host of things that you might want to do on that day, whether it's go to the game or um, do some sort of recreation or travel or otherwise, okay? I think to extend this principle of Sabbath-keeping beyond that is to go further than the Scriptures go. But of course, in all of these things, Paul reminds us, and again, those who um, are articulating a position like I am would say, hey, no, we're the stronger brother and you're the weaker brother. Well, if that's true, then don't disdain our Sabbath-keeping brothers, right? And I think back to those times in seminary where I very much did disdain those who had a different opinion. Well, at the same time, those, those who have more scruples around the Lord's Day um, are not to judge those who don't. So I think that's a, that's a way to think about what I think the Bible says about Sabbath keeping in an ongoing way. Obviously, there's whole sections of systematic theology that are devoted to this topic, and we can't cover it all. But if you want to hear more about that topic or others, um, then email me, paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com. Tomorrow, we're going to get into this other issue that Paul identifies, and that's about what we eat and drink. And of course, that's always fun to talk about, right? Let's pray. Lord, most of all, we want to honor you. Most of all, we want to acknowledge your ownership over everything that we have, over all of who we are. And whether it's Sabbath keeping, whether it's giving our tithe, whether it's what we're eating or drinking, what, whatever those issues might be, Lord, we want to do them to your honor and to your glory and live at peace with our brothers. Give us wisdom now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.